Hey everyone, welcome to a, uh, I don't know, a somber edition of Turn Out of Punk. Uh, we're here to kind of celebrate the life of a good friend, a uh, mentor, a uh, hero, uh, Dallas Good from the Sadies, uh, who passed away kind of suddenly. I wanted to repost his episode and also try tell everyone, you know, not, not that this is going to make anything better or change anything, but please head over to Sadies.net, uh, the Sadies.net, and uh, check out their merch store. Grab a record, grab a shirt, grab one of the weed grinders. Uh, Dallas would love that. And uh, yeah, and I, I just wanted to kind of do an intro for this episode to t mention that. And of course, kind of contextualize Dallas. And I thought, what better way to do that than by having uh, my good buddy and bandmate and Dallas's bandmate as well, Jonah Falco, here to talk. Jonah. Hey, thanks for having me uh, to chat a bit, Damien. Yeah, definitely not, a, not the... the the best occasion uh, upon which to, you know, heap accolades on our good friend. But uh, the good thing about Dallas is that uh, no matter the circumstance, even uh, in light of his own passing, there's still a lot of good things to say about him all the time. And uh, I think the good memories and the good stories will, you know, outlive even his time on Earth. So, you know, we're lucky to have known him. Yeah, and I don't think now's the time, but at some point... Um We'll do a, a celebration thing and have a bunch of people on, hopefully to tell some of those stories because there are a lot of incredible Dallas stories uh, to get to. He was a remarkable, remarkable person, especially because um, the, the biggest impact he's left uh, on the world with the Sadies is is bracketed on all sides by this like really rich musical history, actually. And you know, this is stuff that you no doubt go deep into in the episode. And but you know, we got to know Dallas as a lover of our music, and uh, you know, I think we we could both say that we were sort of surprised that he knew who we were, or were on his radar, or liked what we did. Because uh, as young people with kind of narrow-minded music tastes, we thought nobody that doesn't look like us or play music like us could possibly enjoy what we do. And uh, Dallas uh, was a bridge between those worlds. He absolutely brought us in and made us feel relevant and connected to what he was doing. And this is a guy that knew everyone from Neil Young to Tom G. Warrior. So yeah. <laughs> he's like he is honestly like a and this isn't hyperbole. He is the legitimate direct link between Buffy St. Marie and the bunch of fucking goofs. <laughs> and there's not many people on that path. No, no. Yeah. he 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 was. Uh, yeah, incredibly special. Uh, you'll hear him, he goes into his whole story here, but I think what's really kind of come out in the last few days, like last night at the show, some guy came up to me afterwards and gave me a big hug and said, I'm so sorry, it, it just breaks my heart. Dallas is gone. And uh, he's like, until he passed away, I had no idea his impact on anyone outside of this little, uh, I guess, I don't even know what scene you'd even place them in, because they were, they were kind of like, they're one of the greatest bands of all time in the fact that they don't fit into any scene, but you mentioned some style of music that, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess the Sadies would fit into that, but to me they were always just a punk band. Yeah, I think the Sadies to me always sounded like this perfect mix of the Damned, the 13th Floor Elevators, the Birds, and yeah. uh, and, and themselves. It, yeah. it was... And, and a, like a family band, something about passing traditions on. The fact that they had uh, records with their parents um, coming on stage with them, the fact that they are the Travis and Dallas are the children of the Good Brothers, who have links to Festival Express, Jan, every hockey player in Canada from the 60s and 70s, you know. Yeah. These people were actually always meant to be this polytrope, amazing um, root system in the world. And 
that's sort of what we felt with Dallas. You know, he can he instantly connected everybody. His gift was is also for a person as prolific as him was this great humility, and he always approached you with unbelievable deference uh, and treated you as if he was talking to his childhood hero and, and not the other way around. Yeah, and it was so lucky. Yeah, uh, the, the Sadies was the perfect conduit for for that kind of outreach as well. I, I think one of my favorite things. Uh, uh, that I saw the Sadies do, and I, and I wasn't even there, but they played in Thunder Bay, and they used to do a ten-song encore of all the first ten songs in the Nuggets compilation, or some some pick of all those like '60s psych punk bangers. Yeah, and uh, it was amazing to see them go from this ethereal, you know, satanic hillbilly, um, you know, snake oil salesman, reverential types, to being the most gritty bonzo frat rock band you've ever seen and they did it without breaking a sweat yeah i mean they're just they're so omnipotent i'll never forget at don Pyle's uh book launch uh, i got to go out like martin farkas from career suicide chris callahan uh you know which i guess speaks to like you know this is dallas's sort of dream hardcore lineup that he wanted to have <laughs> yeah. come sing with them and yeah and uh we all came out and did all these old classic punk songs and you know seeing as this is you know classic punk i had to do something stupid so I broke a bottle on my head and I just remember the look on Dallas's face he's laughing hysterically and then terror coming over as the blood starts streaming down my face and he was so concerned you know yeah. he, it was just uh yeah he was just like such a special getting to play with these guys getting to like I know like like you're saying it almost felt like they legitimized what we were doing in a way to me like when he's mm. when he liked what I was doing, like here's a guy who was friends with everyone and turned turned fucked up on to everyone. Like mm -hmm. he would really put us over to people. Um, and you know, when he liked our band, it was like holy shit! Like we're we're legitimized. <laughs> There's yeah. a connection between us to the to the Grateful Dead now directly. Not that that's a good thing, maybe. But. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, I, this is a this is a this is a gift that Dallas had, and this is a gift that some other people have also, and that is to treat you like a peer mm -hmm. uh, and that is the best thing you can do I, I know there's a it's the best thing you can do for a person who's also in the creative class say is to just say I recognize what you do and I appreciate that this is what's happening and I know you might not want to hear that but I thought I would tell you yeah and I mean I, I think that is a kind of that's like the blank slate of sometimes how Dallas treated you I also wanted to say just, just the thought of him I know that smile that smile where his like, yeah. entire face up opens face. up and then he would go, oh shit! And you know, so his body language changes. His hands come forward as if to try and like catch you. But I, I think that, you know, it's really we're, we we both have had a lot of um, emotions turned up by by losing Dallas. And I think we're remembering his kindness really well. But it, it just occurred to me last night. I was reminiscing with Martin uh, about just how funny Dallas was. Yeah. And. Uh, um, it's, some years ago, um, Mike and I were doing some music for Maddie Matheson's cooking show, and I, it was my day in the studio, and, and we had to do a song that sounded like, the cue was a song that sounded like Rita McNeil and one that sounded like Stomp and Tom. So I put on my Dallas Good hat <laughs> and, and wrote this sort of like plucky country sounding song, and it turned out, it's whatever, it's, it's 60 seconds of sort of derivative music, but I thought, oh, I gotta play this for Dallas. I have to play this for him because he'll be so proud of me for like being in his world. Like he's done all this work to come to my world. He loves fucked <laughs> yeah, up and yeah. he plays in Caruso's. I'm going to show him, you know, like I appreciate what you do too. So I sent him this song. I said, Dallas, 
I just did this song. It's kind of like in the vein of Stompin' Tom. Uh, check this out. What you know, like it's pretty funny, huh? And I get an email back about ten minutes later. It says, "Oh, hey man, that's a fucking awesome song. Great job." Quick question though: Have you ever heard Stompin' Tom? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking, I, my job before, it was, the comedic timing was out of this world, and that was over an email. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was so full of quips and stories and stuff, and it was like, yeah, it was like being, uh, it was like somebody saying, no, why don't you drive, and then actually he's operating the pedals and, <laughs> and the steering wheel in the other seat brilliantly, like, yeah, just showing you everything he needs to show you. Well, I can't think of a better way to set this up. Please, please go to the Sadies.net grab a piece of merch because uh you know like people need to pay their bills right now and and their everyone in that band's life has been horribly disrupted by and like everyone else's life who knew them has been horribly disrupted but them more than anyone uh this goes out to amanda this goes out to sean this goes out to mike and of course this goes out to travis um and their their folks and and, and everyone like i my deepest deepest condolences um and uh this is dallas good rest in peace that's good it's like picks up pretty right. good i think okay. this last time because we were like leaning back oh yeah and like super cash so. absolutely dallas good thank you for sitting down with me again david it's my pleasure we had some audio problems last time because we were uh a little cash and laid back, and so now we're going to be a little more up on these microphones, and thank you for graciously putting up with my audio inabilities and doing this again. Hey, it's my pleasure. I, uh, I love the opportunity to babble. Well, same here. Same here. So uh, I guess, you know, having been through this once now at this point, uh, how did you get into punk? Well, um, uh, I was born in 1973, so I was too late for the first wave. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest cousin on my father's side, uh, the family, he was a drummer and played in bands like, well, he played in the Rent Boys for a short time. Oh, really? Time. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking he might have been a bit of my brother's gateway. And my brother and I, we started playing instruments really young because my family's pretty musical. Yeah. And so uh, my brother started playing with my uncle in a band. <sighs> I was really Boys, young. When did uh, the Rent Boys start? Is it like 79? Probably around there, yeah. I think, yeah, they're and, on like the first Smash tape. Yeah, and, and they did, of course, I have a... Do you have a Flexi? Uh, no, I that's, have... That's my, one of my <laughs> golden look for Toronto records. I've never even seen No, I have the 12-inch and the, uh, the single there. But, um, and I, my uncle had... Or my cousin had something to do with the single. I forget what, maybe mm-hmm. co-written a song. But he's... Anyhow... He started a band with my brother when he when my brother was like 14 or something like that. And I think uh, Ewan's older brother, Neil Axall, was also in the band. Really? What was and, it called? And, and uh, Stuart from, uh, sorry, excuse me, Stuart Black, for, who was in uh, Jolly Tambourine Man and oh, yeah. on the Rat Crushers. They were, I believe they were called, I can't remember if it was Brain Hammer or Gospel Shop or maybe both. Or, so that's, I guess, the connection but, to Jolly Tambourine Man for... Well, that's where we first, where my brother first, that was his indu- introduction to the Toronto scene, the punk scene. Okay. This would have been about, I don't know, maybe 85 at the latest, 86, yeah. maybe. No, no, sooner, probably. Anyhow, it doesn't, I can't be specific because I was a fucking little kid. Yeah, so. you would have been. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but through Travis's introduction to that sort of scene, 
Uh, Did you see Travis's band and stuff? Would you oh, yeah. yeah. He was in Blueburn and the Rat Crushers. And, yeah. Uh, he was in this band called Vasi Slos, which was made up of, like, Chris from uh, Guild Parade and Group Home and uh, and Tim from Swindled and wow. uh, I believe Mike McCurdy from The Young Lions. I Did can't they, remember. Did they but, record you know, anything? There's all these bands that, no, they, I, you'd really have to ask Travis yeah. or even Jonathan Cummings, who was in Mike Marley and the Sailors, like, there's all these guys that were sort of uh, all the guys from Living Proof yeah. and um, Mike. Or sorry, I, I don't want to leave Brian McCullough out of this from the drummer of the um, Youth 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 because he yeah. uh, he also is for me anyhow is sort of glue to all the scene and direct action too. I got to see a lot of those bands, and then when I was old enough, I even got to play in some of them too, which is cool. Like Johnny Bordenko from Sunday Pack went to high school with Travis, so I was a fan, and then I joined that band when I was like. 17 or something <laughs> Blibber let me play with them when I was a kid I mean before that I had my own band yeah, so. yeah I guess we're jumping ahead so back to like so, so uh, you would have probably seen Travis getting into punk rock and that would have been like I'm guessing I mean punk rock was certainly a commodity yeah. by the time I was say let's start at ni- 1980 I was 7 and that year I saw the police picnic the Gary's put on this this festival in, mm-hmm. in Mississauga it was in Mississauga the first one yeah and at that, I mean, I went certainly as a fan of the police, but um, Killing Joke played. Iggy was incredible. I was a fan of him already. Yeah. Um, and that's on, like, and, uh, that, the specials, the, who were incredible, too. There's a bunch of great bands on that bill. But was I that on that, Lust for Life, too? Would, he's, would that been? No, that been no it was New Values. New Values. Because, yeah, five foot one, I could relate to at the time. <laughs> and uh, You would have been really... Board. A very tall kid being five foot one. Iggy's I think, yeah, singing I, about I, being the I other even, side of being five foot one. <laughs> I might not even been that old, but yeah. I, <laughs> so uh, I would have already been into the Ramones at that point. Yeah. That show, though, I ended up going uh, to buy new values, and I got Funhouse. Oh, really? Which Man. was huge for yeah. me. I mean, that was when I really started to develop my own taste. That was uh, or aside from just what was easily accessible. And you know, I'm bragging about the punk bands but again I went to see The Police I was 7 years old oh yeah you're 7 years old but The Police turned me on to tons of punk too yeah like the cramps from being on IRS I mean they were one of my all time favorite bands still are yeah Um, and The Police what was that movie that they did was it Arg uh, Who Killed Bambi no no The Police Uh, they were part of the ARG or what the ARG the music board but aren't they also in Who Killed Bambi aren't they the Oh, you're the sex pistol. <laughs> like, I guess sexually assault Paul Cook is like that scene. Do you remember that? Like, you're the sexy pistols. It's like, I remember Sting saying that, and I think it's in Who Killed uh, well, Bambi. I, I wouldn't have but, seen Who Killed Bambi then. Okay. I, I'm only familiar with it as being a short cartoon and a 10 4. Or, <laughs> I think it's like it's, the live. I think it's all, maybe this is just part of Great Rock and Roll Swindle. But that's like, what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah but of course, it's like, I've seen that a few times where it's been a But I think, I think Sting's that in that too. The police are in that. But anyway, you know, yeah, they're in Uggets of Music War. Oh, you know what? I, no, whatever. Doesn't matter. No, what is it? They're in Quadrophenia too. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely, the ace face. Yeah, well, I was really. Into, I was just thinking that you know I was so into sixties garage music and still am. That, yeah. You know, oh, it's one of my favorite movies. That, yeah. Well, when I was seven or whatever year I saw that, it certainly was. My my dad's friend one time bought quote unquote the scooter. You know that that Sting's character has the one with all the oh, mirrors. The space one. Oh, nice. And uh, my dad's like, "Oh, I can't wait to see." It. And he shows him a picture, and it's like an '85 Honda scooter oh. with no mirrors. And then my dad's like, "Of course, he drove it off the, he drove it off the uh, cliff at the yeah, end of the exactly. movie." Spoiler alert, I guess if you haven't seen Quadrophenia at this uh, point. 
So, I, 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 at which point do you kind of like, are you going to see your brother band play at practices at this point? Or are you going to go see Absolutely. him? Absolutely. Yeah, like, I was talking about this with Travis. Like, it was amazing that, because um, I, I grew up in Aurora. Yeah. And so, um, which is like my brother, 45 minutes outside of downtown. Yeah, um, but Travis was explaining why I had so much face-to-face contact with him, because I've forgotten. And there was like a, I think a health food store where a lot of bands used to rehearse, including one of my favorites, Direct Action. And oh. I know that they played a show there, too. Um, so there was there was a few bands. I can't remember all of them right now. Was your uh, cousin but, uh, from Aurora? Was that the Aurora connection no, to these bands? Or no, no, he lived in the city. Okay. So that would be Travis's connection yeah, yeah, to the city. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the thing yeah. is, what I forgot was that like Evan from Blibber, he used to love to drive to Aurora. Oh. And so... <laughs> They would so Travis would get driven to and from, and so that's why. And Stuart would love to come and just sort of fuck with the little kids. So like, yeah, they would probably presumably be pretty pretty baked, and then you know just sort of hang out with me because I had cool toys and whatever. Yeah, but uh, and and even later on, like I mean, I guess it would be a good place for people to kind of go to that's out of the city for you know whatever was in the fridge that kind of shit. Yeah, but, yeah, because yeah, I met like. All of those guys that I became, you know, friends with way before I was at shows. Re- I was remotely prepubescent. Yeah, like as a little little kid. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, yeah. Were there any once, that jumped- once I was actually playing guitar and in my own band and stuff, then and playing in the city. That's when I kind of got reacquainted with them. Like after being in puberty, and that's when I started playing in well all the other bands I've been playing with ever since. Yeah, so, like, at which point you kind of make that transition to, I guess, being the uh, the the kid at the show to being the, like, or sorry, the kid at the practice space to being the kid who starts going to shows? By the time I was 13, sorry, uh, yeah, I, I had started a band just uh, locally in Aurora uh, called FOH, or Force of Habit. Awesome. And it's a total hardcore band, um, a sick band. And I, I think we were really great. No, I think, I think like, uh, I heard the tape for the first time <laughs> the other day, and it, I'm going to say this, like, not just being polite, it's awesome. <laughs> like, it's really you. one I, of those things that, you know, I, I think deserves a reissue. I'd love to do that. I, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, that band has, is really cool. Actually, yeah. I'll tell you a bit about it then. Um, we started when we were 13. By the time I was 15 or so, we had split up, but, um, Two of the band members are dead now. Um, we formed in Newmarket, and uh, we only did two shows in the city, but we were totally... Uh, the BFG were, like, such a big influence on us and totally took us under their... Like, Steve was so good to me as a little kid. Do you remember uh, the first time you would have met them? Like, the, the BFG? Yes, so very vividly. The entire band went down to the fort, and... Um, like when it was on Oxford. And yeah. Again, we're terrified little kids and we walk in the door and Steve knew Travis well enough to, he won't mind me saying this, promptly get me high and let me <laughs> hang. I just, like, it, everything just did a full 360. And so, yeah, 13, maybe 14, but we were already wearing BFG colors. Again. Yeah, yeah. And then I started going down almost every weekend after that. But the catch to that was, you know, I only had enough bus fare to get to the city and then home. That would be my allowance or whatever. So I would go on a Friday and come home on Sunday night or whatever. So And just live at Fort Goof or? No, I don't think I ever slept at Fort Goof. But um, like Brian McCullough from Youth 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 yeah. and Nora, um, they lived with Suzanne who went out with Steve. And so I would stay at, at Brian and Nora's house. And, and so that's where I also got to know Steve a lot better and dirt yeah. and stuff. But uh, but that was way, that was like after 
now that I think about it, that was after Force Habitat split up. So uh, the early days, yeah, I would stay with the guys I mentioned that were tra- like Travis had a warehouse space by the time I was 16 or so. I'd stay there all the time. But, uh, you know, you in all fairness, Mike Lyon and, and Tim from, uh, from Swindled and Chris Lee, group home. And I ultimately joined Guilt Parade, but that was later. But that was another favorite band. And those guys all put me up and kind of fed me. Oh, Evan from Blibber and the Rat Crushers was, he would be who I'd stay with most in those early days for sure. And Blibber and the Rat Crushers had, like, was, was Mickey from curse involved in that or was like there's like a bunch there's some other people involved in that too right? i don't know i met mickey fairly recently like okay. in the last five years okay. i love her so much you yeah, have to have her on the cool. show no she's me. coming yeah. on okay she's great. definitely yeah. like talk uh, about a band well i, I want to talk about the bands you just mentioned actually but okay. talk about curse as a band that doesn't really get their due as far yeah. as how cool they were absolutely and you know like it was weird i you probably know this better than i but i, I was telling that. someone the other day were they like they're arguably one of the first all-female bands to put out an independent record in all of Canada. Like, like I'm sure there might have been some garage rock bands, but like, you're hard-pressed to... Th- I, at least I'm hard-pressed to think of... It's one of those things where I should have already thought about Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like, well, it's the fact that we have blah, to. Blah, blah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But no, I... Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, like, so like, they're an uh, uh, inc- incredible band. But I also like, like talk about other bands that are forgotten from here even more so, I'd say, or like Swindled... Group home, Guilt Parade, maybe. Yeah, uh, they're not they, a Toronto band. But yeah, exactly. Jeff moved here. Yeah, and that's yeah. And because of the Sadie's connection, I think they're a little more. The people talk well, about, them, but Swindle yeah. and Group Home are just seem for be forgotten. Right, and for me, when I was in Force of Habit, all of my favorite bands were yeah. Swindled, Group Home, Guilt Parade, yeah. Sudden Impact, yeah. uh, Blibber and the Rat Crushers, um, Direct Action. All of these bands that I got exposure to th- through Travis, yeah. uh, essentially, and you know, my cousin. And became friends with, and uh, Chronic Submission, too. Mm-hmm. So after I, you know, Force of Habit split up, because that was just a time bomb. We were teenage high school kids in Newmarket who, whatever, our, we had great sh- local shows that were so much fun. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'd blow up bulldozers on weekends <laughs> instead of coming to the city or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it, it was ridiculous. It was <laughs> And so, Dude, who were your shows with in Toronto? The, the, we played with the Goofs. Or, sorry, the goofs? we played two shows, and uh, both were at the Soup Club or the Slither or whatever it's called, yeah, the yeah. Paddock. Yeah. And uh, one was four and a half for sure, and I think the other was the Goofs. But the thing was, our parents would drive us to the show, and we had to leave right after. Yeah. The show. So I didn't see either. Of the, I was already going to shows in the city, but that was a night we where had we gear. had we had gear. Yeah. yeah. Exactly on a school night. You too, drive to get the gear home. Totally. Yeah. But that was also so cool because like. Um, William knew was already putting on that event yeah right? and so uh, that's where I met him as a little toddler like lots of it was really cool because Travis of course was like told all his friends to come see us it was, was, it was good was he doing Groovy Religion by that point was it were they a band oh absolutely they were playing around Toronto too yeah. so they would have yeah. uh, who were like the so, bigger bands for Toronto bands like I guess Sunday Impact would have been oh yeah well I mean see that's the yeah, thing geez. is okay so now at this point I'm say 15 or so yeah. and I've already been listening to the shit Brian Taylor's been releasing and so yeah so you, you know, were so getting all those tapes, sacrifice right? Sacrifice. Yeah. Like, all the, the the bands that Brian put out were more of my era than the 84 stuff that I loved. Like, yeah. you know, than the not dead yet era kind of yeah. stuff. But, um, so you know, so... but we'll, well, I was pretty much done. Like, that was, like, uh, the shows that I was more going to see when I was a kid was, like, shows at the Sydney Concert Hall and, yeah. and, and Apocalypse stuff. But. So you loved... Were you a big Slaughter fan? 
Oh, absolutely. That, that so oh, yeah. Incredible. No, I saw them at least once. Um, that's the thing. Like, all the bands, like Slaughter, Sacrifice, Razor, yeah. Sudden Impact, and Anvil was always on the bill, too, it seemed, and I never, ever saw them once. <laughs> like, it was like, first song, okay, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. It's, really, it's also, yeah, like, when you go around now, and you know, this, you're on tour more than I am, and you know what it's like when you go places and people are like talking to you about Anvil. Yeah, and I know. You're still like, seriously, oh, I that know, band? I know. And like, yeah. Have you heard? Have you so heard? So let's not Razor? do that. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but like, like, have you, like, well, that's the thing is like, and, uh, and it's funny because, like, in reading the, the histories of death metal books that have come out, you really get a sense that, you know, talk about bands that don't get their due, Slaughter. Canadian Slaughter invents the death metal sound kind of the same yeah. like Chuck from Death moves up here joins the band do you well, ever see like them in that era I guess for any uh, I don't even remember yeah. man <laughs> uh, for any international listeners uh, we may very well be over glamorizing the Toronto scene no. but I truly did, like I mean I have such an affinity both for my city but also for the people who kind of raised me musically and so that's well, why I'm going to sensationalize a lot well, of it. and also but, I think we should know, like, direct action are such a fantastic band yeah. um, like and they're one of the first that kind of crossed over into uh, not metal but you know sort of a little more rock and roll from I mean compared to youth 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 not the first I don't know okay I'm babbling I don't well, like, want to chronolize what, 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 what would you think was where did that influence come because the there's crossover that, thing was there, yeah, big that, on me for exactly. sure exactly and the crossover and, thing is big in Toronto like it seems like a lot of the bands go certainly more rock if not full on yeah. sudden impact went kind of full well, on more, more well, for trash me, I, I Johnny uh, rejoined the band after break, like breaking it up for a while yeah. and I joined in probably night well I would have been 16 so that would be sorry um, maybe 17 so that would put me at what uh, so this is around 89 okay. I guess at this point um, or 90 even no 89 um, I was playing in Sudden Impact and Guild Parade just from having known those guys since I was a kid yeah. at this point I could play guitar um, and so that was really fun, but at this point now I'm in the city all the time, and so I moved uh, from my house in Newmarket uh, to live with Jeff and carry on with Gilpray mm -hmm. to find out that the band had broken up like the day I moved in, and I moved into a different space even. It's a long story. But then, yeah, right after that we formed um, this band I was in the St. Natras, which yeah. was with uh, Rustin from Chronic Submission, um, who is another great, great hardcore band that I expect most of your listeners to know. No, I don't and think one, so. One I think that's another band. Well, I guess they're also that. one of the. He's one of the best drummers. Absolutely, ever. and well, the Toronto hardcore comp got reissued Tohc '83. Right, but there's. Chronic submission. There's none of that stuff out there. I guess it's just the tape, huh? it's just and a little bit tapes. of footage on the Not Dead yet. Yeah, like that. And and they are a band that, you know, like and there's straight edge skinhead band who weren't skinheads or straight edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also uh, they're just monsters. There's a, yeah, that's this thing. There's yeah, like all these crazy yeah. stories about. Oh yeah, there's still yeah, there's still chronic submission graffiti behind uh, the MTV building. Good. I, like the concert hall. It was yeah. It's I've seen it. Uh, I don't know. Every, been there every ten it was years made. or so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, no way. I never saw Chronic Submission, but uh, Christian ultimately the the guitarist was that was also in the Saint Notres. So it was like okay, two so of Chronics and Jeff from Gilfred and me. And but we weren't a hardcore band really. Although yeah. I fucking wished we were at the time. That's it. They'd write a rock and roll song. I'd write a fast one. It was like <laughs> this this musical fight. <laughs> but we played with great bands. Yeah. 
So now I'm like 18 or so, and yeah, I, uh, <laughs> this is hilarious. This is the way I'm telling the story. So I should do the read along. Well, well, I should do the read along chimes. You no, know, because the thing is, we but, keep uh, going back and forth too, yeah, right? Fair like, enough, so fair you know, the St. was really, really fun because I got to work with great players and yeah. stuff. But we played with so many good bands. Like, um, we did a short tour with MDC. We played with the Vibrators. Where, um, yeah, where does that MDC with, uh, Toronto connection come from? Because I remember seeing yeah, BFGs playing one time, and Dave Dichter uh, was like the the one moshing, like the dude right. tearing it up in the pit for the BFGs. And that's it, a good question. Um, I don't know. It's like, but they like he like, and he would move here for a while, like live here. I didn't know that, but I mean, guys. you know, like, I we we I remember distinctly once playing in Toronto where um, all of MDC took the St. Notra's instruments and did a set like it was sort of unbeknownst to us they were coming down to see us play but I can't ever remember Dave living in Toronto well, I, remember, like, I, remember, I mean I'm you know now I'm implying that we were really tight no, but we were very like, tight during the shows and on those like nights 94 95 yeah, okay. so that would be that, way after the St. Notra's yeah there was like this summer that I remember them playing at the Opera House I don't mean he, I don't, maybe I should imply that he lived here yeah. but then they played like at Spiderland Acres and then two weeks, remember the oh, Spider Landing right. yeah, crazy course. punk fest? Oh, well, now this is all making a lot more sense. They would also be going to, they did, like, our tour with them was mostly in Quebec. Okay. And so, yeah, they had so they would have gone to Montreal. Like, yeah, they, they did really well everywhere. And they yeah. were just so great, such nice people. I mean, my experiences with them were they would always stay wherever, you know, with whoever. Yeah. And, they would always bring a party with them. Uh, I mean, that was at least that was my experience when I was 17, 18, or whatever. 18, look, 19, I don't know. It's crazy to think about how popular those bands were, too. Like, how ubiquitous MDC merch is. You know, like, how, how you just see it. I didn't even know that, really. Because well, they, uh, they were a band that did sell so many records, I would assume it was more of a commodity. But Yeah, like, I, well, I, like and I can't even think what would be their record that was pressed the most. I guess that first LP has been pressed cops, yeah. tons. But is it even still in print, or it's just been bootlegged? I don't know. Because I don't think it's like I like I I can't remember being in print when I was a kid, and I like you know finally got a you know I got a first press copy a couple of years. I ago. I got a first press of the cassette. Oh, you do? To you later. Do you got an OG cassette or something? <laughs> I don't know if it's OG. Okay. I just yeah, I have so many great hardcore albums on yeah. cassette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's one of my many curses. I was like, I thought you meant one. Like, I thought you had like a first demo. Right? No, like, no, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I know that's. It wasn't made for me on cassette well, by I, a friend. But <laughs> how do you think I feel? I've got a bunch of great classic records on CD. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't bother me so much because they'll always be there. They'll always be. That's true. You can take them to a landfill, dig them up, know, and they'll my, still be there. I tried to play a CD a couple weeks ago of. Of demos of one of my old bands, and it doesn't play. Hey, I'm no scientist, but a uh, word to the, I don't know, curious. Yeah. Don't uh, throw away your CDs based on your laptop or your current CD player. Okay, yeah. Old CD players play old CDs. I've just put together a record of Sadie's archives, crazy shit that we had in the box kind of thing. Shit. I had the same problem. Threw out some CDs, and yeah. then I was like, wait a minute, why don't I try it on the dinosaur? And they all played perfectly. So. Jeez. That's what it is. It's newer yeah. players are more sophisticated. I don't know what it is. I'm sure that at least one of your listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter, but just don't. They're not garbage. They just unless they're scratched. And, yeah, okay, let's move on. Sure, I can just Google <laughs> this actually. But no, yeah, that's me, actually me like a, a great tip because I like 
I'm like, I thought these things were supposed to last forever. I thought that was the gimmick. No, man. But, yeah. like, you would have been... Do you remember what the first punk record you bought was? Oh, uh, I should be able to without too much difficulty. Um, like, well... Like, not counting... I guess the yeah, Ramones, because you were into it well, so yeah, the young, Ramones, right? I loved. So, and uh, the Cramps, and then, like, Santa Claus would bring me records, yeah. right? Like, yeah, Santa Claus brought me Dayglo abortions and stuff like That's that, awesome. like, as well. Like, uh, How old were you when you got your first Dayglobes record? No, I don't know. Like, close to when it would have come out, because, of course, they played in Toronto so much, too, that they were yeah, on they my radar. Or, and Fringe product, of course, yeah. was something I could get in Aurora or Newmarket easily. Yeah, where, was, where were you buying like, records in Aurora? Was there, like, a place that... Like, in Aurora, there was the record rack that Neil Exall worked at yeah. when I was really young. From the um, Mercury Men. Right. Yeah. And uh, in, I can't remember the name of the place in Newmarket. It doesn't really matter. They had an import section that was all Canadian bands. <laughs> you know, the import section is always classically yeah. the punk section. But, yeah. You know, no matter where they're from. Oh, yeah. And it's always like, well, I don't, know, I don't know about that, but I remember buying Black Flag CDs for like $35 and getting like Process of Weeding Out and like. At HMV, this is like a oh a yeah no I, yeah and it was CD, damn right. it no what I, a waste I you know I I've, I still have them all I've got great records from that era but yeah. I mean it was the luck of the draw I wasn't ordering I was too young to think about ordering stuff yeah. so I would get what I got and love it yeah uh, Travis's band Vossi Slows played with lots of like they played with DRI and Gangrene and some bands like that so they'd be Whoa. on my radar when I was younger than I should have been um, where were those bands? I don't know I can't think you know I can't. I don't want to just name drop bands, but I mean, I, no, I had no. exposure. That's what this show great, is. Great shit. <laughs> At the end of the day, this show is just name dropping bands. Oh, okay. Well, then that's good. Then, <laughs> then we're, we're, we're all right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was so lucky to be able to get like, str- like good music at an early age, even though, of course, I wasn't like just you know a sponge about it so much as well it was cool that your parents were supportive too totally you know and especially and your dad or both your parents started being musicians I started looking weird by the time I was say 12 yeah right like so that's like you know junior high yeah that would be around like you know um but uh at that point so junior high so I mean it's kind of relevant that I go through the years this is around 85 I guess yeah. maybe and, or something like that and it's important to say that in Aurora and Newmarket wearing any kind of freak flag w- was like you'd get your lumps for it yeah. totally so it's a different it, time it was Pre-Nirvana. a total different time I don't want to be the old man no, on the is. hill but it really truly like was and it also meant that anyone who was anyone else who was weird you'd gravitate towards yeah. especially in a small town so you know um Again, it made me so lucky to be able to have, well, a guitar and <laughs> my brother's friends who needed a guitar player. Yeah. Because you know, I got turned on to great bands through, through yeah, through my fucking jerk face brother. <laughs> <laughs> so were you, guys t- were you guys tight back then when you guys were... Uh, to no? be totally honest, we <clears throat> really despised each other. We're five years apart, and so I was just at that age where I was really annoying and wanted to do everything he was doing. Yeah. Um, and he hated it, but I was also cool enough because I was influenced by him and my other cousins that um, all of his friends liked me. <laughs> so by the time I was like 16, 17 playing in hardcore bands, I was also like, he was playing in my dad's band. And so he'd be on tour a lot. And I would like stay at his house while he was gone and play, literally play in his bands while he was away, which would be your ultimate nightmare of you but around... Well, he joined the Sadies uh, pretty early on, um, once we sort of changed our direction from being a little more punk rock to a little more country. <laughs> and, uh, 
at that point, it had changed. Like, we more than tolerated each other all through the sort of St. Notre years. Like, yeah. that's, like, you know, at that point, it was more than a truce. I mean, he was really cool to me. But, I mean, again, I think back of all those times I'd stay at his place and realize, like, I was really good friends with his roommates, luckily. <laughs> it wasn't him yeah. that was, like, extending that. If you're listening, Travis, which I know you're not, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, all the, the 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 punk scene in Toronto has always been made up of... it. it in, in my experience, is fantastic supportive people. And so, like, yeah. you know, I'm thinking, like, on and off stage, like, the, all the bands we're talking about, but with the Goofs, it's a community. And yeah. those people were always really good to me as a kid. Um, guys like Kenny Huff and Anthony, you know who they are? I know, I, I've, like... I, those guys were never in bands, but they're no. at every show I've ever been at, and they were the ones who made sure that the... the Everyone's Nobody okay. got hurt, yeah. you know? Fuck, there's no other way to put it. Security. Yeah, but, like, you know... legit security. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard, yeah, like, I've, I think I met... Kenny at a show, but I I don't, I don't like Kenny either. likes fucked up for what is yeah yeah so like I met sense. Kenny, but I, I I don't think I've ever met Anthony. Anthony will tear your hand off if you ever shake hands <laughs> with him, and you'll you, you can't miss him. Yeah yeah yeah. He's well, there's like there's been a couple. What was the guy? Fuck, I love Anthony. What was the guy from BFGs? Uh, Godzilla. Well, oh Daryl, yeah. yeah. Oh Daryl, I consider a friend. Yeah. I mean, uh, I never ever get to see him, but yeah. the few times I've seen him over the last twenty years have been like really, really good experiences. Yeah, yeah. Of there, course, um, a lot of sort of gentle giants that were kind of like caretakers of. The oh, scene. I wouldn't necessarily call Daryl gentle. Uh, <laughs> he's a great, gentle. great. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, he's a great guitar player. <laughs> yeah, he's a really good player. And, yeah. Uh, Let's just say that I'm very fortunate to have known Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> I always felt safe around it. Like, I know that's what we're talking about. Here, yeah. It's like the security of yeah. the shows. Um, yeah, and absolutely having those guys around. Like I said, because when I grew up in the 80s more, I'd take my lumps. So I had reason to watch my back. And then in the city, not at all, you know? Well, I remember, like, last time I think we talked about it more. Um, well... <laughs> we can talk about it now. The BFGs, like... And yeah, this is good. We're not, like, fully repeating. No, no, it's totally, no, it's totally different. Yeah. And, like, the way the uh, the BFGs were, like, the reason there's no... I was... It was instilled in me from a very young age. That's the reason you don't really have a Nazi presence in Toronto at shows. I bet you that the skinheads from that scene might argue that, but uh, I fully believe it. Um, there was... I was at many hardcore shows where there were skinheads there that... Uh, and fights. And it yeah. was always squared off with big members of the BFG. Yeah. Like, I saw Thor and... Uh, oh, so, so many... Uh, so many of those guys square off with other giants. And it was more like your style of wrestling, you know? It yeah. seemed like nobody got, like, or sending hurt, it, hurt, you know? It's like that... Greek but setting out your heroes to do battle. Yeah. I think what happened was um, in search of better plunder and stuff, the skin, the Nazi evil Nazi skinheads of the first generation here, they moved out west and as far as I know, if they survived, I think a lot of them kind of got the hippie bug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the guys who's famous from that scene uh, is like talk about a gentle giant, such a sweetheart. Uh, out of respect, just in, in you know, just in the off chance he'd rather I didn't name him uh, as much as I love the guy, he had uh, some of his sort of uh, the tattoos that were a little more white power changed into goldfish. Wow! <laughs> and well, again, sweetheart, he like full on does not feel that way anymore. Yeah. Like you know, like one of those people that just like what the fuck? I'm not defending him, but I'm just saying like I think the skinheads just kind of 
knew to fuck off. Like th- yeah. th- that shit just was not welcome or tolerated. And if it was a matter of them beating up everybody they encounter, it's just not worth it. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. But I, I still remember. A I, show. I don't know because, like, luckily I was way too young to get in a fight, or I would have been destroyed. I, I remember going to a show a couple <laughs> and years I was terrified. ago, and a Nazi dude walked in. We're all like outside waiting for the doors to open. This dude, kind of full on, wearing colors, wearing patches, walks in. Everyone's just like jaw drops, and then two seconds later, he comes flying out the <laughs> door. And there's Steve Goof walking behind, just being like, "Nope, never." Well, that's great. You know, yeah. I, any chance we can to talk about Steve, I think, is important because, uh, like, he, I had such great experiences with him growing up um, that he may or may not even remember at this point. But uh, yeah, he was just think he likes such a much. gallant. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but but, but I, I, I'm a big fan of that band and what they, you know. Yeah, I, I, he, I mean, okay, Force of Habit used to cover at least one BFG song. In, what like, song? Like, too bad was okay. the one I distinctly remember, but I think we might have done total breakdown okay. too. Um, you know, never at the same show. That would be tasteless. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, uh, of course, if you have a band of fourteen-year-old kids or whatever playing, like you know, he was the first demo we delivered, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be endearing, even if you are a lame oh, band. Yeah. And uh, their their CD. I remember they thanked Force of Habit posthumously, which was very oh, flattering. The to one me. that's got like the the city skyline, Carnival of Chaos. Yeah, yeah. Called, which I don't print. have. I need see. There's a CD that I need. That was so one of the go. last. I remember buying that CD, or my friend bought that CD at HMV for thirty five dollars, and it's like oh, certainly not the BFGs we wanted it to be by that point. Like right. we were hoping it was going to be more from you Fair know the questionable yeah. comp or sure, the, the double singles, seven inch. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my my friend went to sell it at Rotate, and Rotate refused to buy it. But they're like, "Hey, go go try sell it at Record Peddler." Record Peddler being, of course, yeah. fringe of Brian Taylor's exactly. place. This is where Brian Taylor was still at <laughs> Rotate. Oh jeez, <laughs> or nice. for, uh, or Record Peddler, I should say. Uh, but uh, yeah, like I guess I guess also that was the other thing I kind of wanted to go back to is you know, the Brian Taylor production stuff. You talked about being influenced by all the stuff he put out and like, okay, well, yeah, like Brian, uh, is geez, I can't stress enough how many people in the early, like, if not punk scene in Toronto, hardcore scene, like, uh, that like took me under their wing. Totally. Yeah. And like Brian, I mean, not so much when I was super young, like, cause, but he was always really patient with me at the record peddler. And like, I mean, again, I'm realizing I was 15 years old. I was yeah. pretty cute for a punk kid, but he was always really good to me. And then by the time he lived with Mike Brunt from sudden impact. So by the time, and Johnny and him were so close. Yeah. yeah. By the time I was 16, he was just always around and I, I never feared him the way some people do. And, uh, yeah. He wasn't so much somebody that, like, in Brian McCullough, let me stay on his couch, looked after me. Yeah. He worked for my father's band, but that's beside the point. Um, Brian Taylor just became a very dear friend, and to this day is and always will be. And part of that is because of how difficult he can be. Well, yeah, like... Damien, you just fucking have to fight fire with fire, man. No, just no, go no, in there no, and no, no, no. I, don't, I don't mean the <laughs> shit. I don't mean the curmudgeonly side of Brian. I mean more just, like, for the fact that he, like, the stuff he produced... <laughs> Oh, you man. know, like that the diabolic stuff, force, the diabolical, diabolical. Force. Force. Diabolic, diabolical I love force. metal and like words yeah, like that. There was a band from uh, from like uh, York region area. Uh, there was two. There was one called Prophecy that uh, Brian actually yeah, recorded. Yeah, a tape. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. And Brian produced it. But the other one was called <laughs> Corrupt Faith. But 
I remember one time talking about it with the band. It was like, is it corrupted? I can't remember now if they were called corrupted faith or corrupt faith. But like, we had the conversation. Like, which Why? is it? Yeah, like, it's sort of like when I had finally got to talk to Martin from. Uh, Celtic Frost about what is it? It's been killing me. Celtic? Celtic or Celtic? What did he say? Oh, it was beautiful. I felt like I was smart after all. So this is Martin, the bassist, of course, yeah. from uh, from Hellhammer and, and, and Celtic Frost. In the early days, like when they formed, like all the the best records, Morbid Tales and stuff, they were Celtic Frost. Yeah, and then the time that I lost interest, like I don't remember the record, but the Cherry Orchards era, right? <laughs> yeah. Celtic Frost. So that's why, like, the much music VJs were mispronouncing, and I was like, oh, fuck, what's Celtic? Shit. And then they went, they, I believe they went back to Celtic. Like, if you had seen, you know, Tom G. Warrior in any incarnation over the last, if he introduced his band, I believe he would have said Celtic. Celtic Frost. But this is the way it was explained to Martin. So I would just, I felt like, okay, I am such a dork ignoramus to fucking right on top of the Celtic uh, Frost mountain. That's awesome. I loved them. See, there's another example. I'm talking about all this hardcore and crossover, but certain metal like them and Voivod. I mean, it's obvious now that they're in the same category. Well, but at the time, it was a bit of a dividing line. Well, yeah, long hairs and mohawks. And, and Toronto all doesn't really have, like, I guess there are like Sons of Ishmael, more stupid initials and stuff like that. But like, not really in the same way a late great. '80s hardcore scene as you would like, you know, a New, a New York or a pencil or like. Well, a, no, and you know, Philly or the bands I played in were the late '80s hardcore scene. Yeah, and they were all the bands that people, in all due respect to the bands who I think were still totally vital, they weren't part of the same scene anymore. Like, yeah. you know, Blibber was reformed when I joined. Sudden Impact was reformed. Uh, Gil Parade wasn't. Uh, I recorded with them after Coprophobia, though. Like uh, the so, fringe record, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I mean, like the very, very, very end of the band. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, basically, I got to be a part of the tailwind of the Both bands things. I loved, and then became a part of the scene that was that produced nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like Saint Natras. I, they made a CD after I was in the band, which I think was much more in the direction of where they wanted to be. And in the early days, we had great shows. Yeah. And like, we played with a lot of good bands, like I was saying earlier. Yeah. Like, bad Brains Without HR. There's another perfect example of the void I was in. Yeah. Great show, but weird. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> but still, hey, like, yeah, we played with the bad. We, the, I mentioned the vibrators. This is in 1990. <laughs> I, I saw them in 2000-something, and they were good. Well, that's kind of my point, is that they were great. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I think that's why they, they came to mind. Not so much because they're the perfect example of well, a hardcore band. And I think the recordings don't always reflect that these bands were still good live. Yeah, In sure. a lot of cases. But, you know, I guess with St. Natras, as much as we weren't really a hardcore band, we still, during this sort of vacuum scene era of kind of grunge stuff, too, which I'm sure as much as anything that the St. Natras would have been slightly influenced by, too, even mm -hmm. though we didn't really buy into those records and stuff. Same philosophy, let's yeah. say. Ironic. Both coming from hardcore. Ironic punk, is yeah. really key to that. Because, you know, that era. Yeah, a little bit. And so, and, you know, even like, uh, say Sean from Sadie's band Flag Camp. Yeah. They were a part of a really cool scene too. Yeah. But I mean, they became very when they split up or like right towards the end, they became such a great band in Toronto. But the earlier singles, I didn't like at the time. To be honest, I don't know Sean. I have all of them. And, stuff. <laughs> yeah. and I went to see. They would open for everyone. Great, you know. Uh, but yeah, they again. I wasn't part of that scene, and they would have been more involved with some of the hardcore bands you mentioned, like MSI and and. Uh, and Sons of Ishmael, who, although I totally loved, I, and I've seen them both, I don't 
feel that I saw either of them during their what I would call heyday. Yeah, like maybe I even saw them in the '90s if such a thing existed. Like, of well, they, they both continued on to yeah, the '90s, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and I guess Sons of Ishmael was their best period. I guess, quote unquote, was their seven-inch period, right? Sure. Uh, <coughs> yeah. Sorry, the first eighty-five. Yeah, yeah, I guess, but like, what about um? I was gonna I was gonna ask about the uh, micro edge. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know micro edge, but. Uh, like, uh, I never met Mitch, yeah. or, but, uh, of course, and uh, fuck, that's something I don't even have in this house. I, you got to set me up with even a tape. <laughs> on the microwave stuff? Yeah. I, I don't even have it on my computer anymore. Jonah has it, though. Okay. But, like, there is, uh, our friend in Quebec got us a tape. It's like, there's only a hundred copies of that tape. It's, like, right. super rare. Well, um, like, I was talking to Johnny the other day because I can't find my It Came From The Pit record, which has oh, a yeah. great sudden impact song. Yeah, it does have a killer sudden He's, impact. Yeah, Drunk Drive is one of my favorite. Anyhow, he told me he might have a copy of it for me, but I forgot to ask him about about that, mm-hmm. about Micro Edge, who obviously, you know, uh, I listened to them a lot when I was young. Yeah. They were fucking, well, Mitch's voice is so cool. But You're such a cool I kid. never met him. I never saw him play. I never even saw him. But because, uh, again, like... I was a huge fan of Sudden Impact in the Johnny era. Like, yeah. Because uh, that's just, it's my age. You know? Yeah. So I yeah. couldn't get out of the house before I was 14, 15. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were really great. Yeah, whatever. But the, did Don't you have much to report? Yeah, also like the Nunfuckers. Do you remember yeah. that band? They just said they're, they're another band that were uh, around that. Around because I, I feel like one of Travis's bands played with Nunfuckers. I never really uh, cared about them. In fact, I kind of. Because I couldn't even put, I couldn't remember anything about them. I listened yeah. to them over the last five or ten years, and I remember thinking that this is like this the, is pretty good. The seven inch is killer. Like the yeah. demo, I don't remember liking as much. But it was funny because like Haymaker covered uh, radiation, I, no, radiation, nuclear radiation. Duh, I can't remember the song that uh, uh, that they covered, but Haymaker covered a, a Nunfucker song. Oh yeah, of course I can't remember this now. Yeah. As I always I, do I on don't the podcast, really know them, but they uh, matter. so they cover this, uh, and the guy from the Nunfucker started coming to shows again. Oh, and he would come to shows, and I remember him coming to see Haymaker play at the JCC, and it was the show where Haymaker destroyed the JCC. Yeah, I heard that story with it. Yeah, that's. <laughs> and he never came to a show again. <laughs> it was like he just like <laughs> is like ah, this is not my scene yeah, anymore. I'm going to go back to reality. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I. Um... I don't know. Whatever. Where were we? Um, yeah, so I guess uh, oh. so St. Notch's. I, I, we talked about this last time, but I, I think it bears repeating. But, like, because I just think it's always interesting, like, the the running up of scenes. Because, like, you're such a, like, you've been around for so long going to these shows that even though you're closer to age with these chokehold guys, you're playing with sort of these older guys. But we talked about it last time, the the faithful show that Chris Callahan oh, set up yeah, for. in uh, Hamilton. In Hamilton. Fuck. Yeah, that was a drag. I mean, it wasn't a drag. It would have been fine. Um, but, yeah, Chris Colohan put on a show in Hamilton. This is the way I remember And this is it. back when he would have been in... I don't know. Uh, a basket case. Okay. Jeez. Uh, St. Natras were left for dead. the headlining band. We were playing with uh, The Mad as well, who yeah. we did a bunch of shows with back then. And, yeah, I, I was watching the, the Chokehold show. I enjoyed it. And they finished the set and said to the audience there, stick around for mad, but, uh, oh, God, I've got to get this quote right if I'm going to say it at all. But uh, 
but uh, don't bother with the other band. Fuck those guys, or something like that. You know, it was very. It was yeah. just like so fitting for Chokehold. Yeah. You know, in retrospect, like the the two bands had nothing in common. We were we sold LSD at our merch table when we played Speakeasy back then. <laughs> That's you know, like, such an awesome. We dressed dichotomy. insanely. Like you know, it was just. A cross between, you know, glam and Mr. Dress-Up. Yeah, you know? like it's so a very... Like, yeah, yeah, like it was, you know, full-on fun. You know, for example, we would have played the same venue shortly after in Hamilton with Red Cross, which was much more fitting at yeah, the time. Yeah, I exactly. loved Red Cross. That's what I meant earlier about, like, the irony of the that era. Yeah, of well, like, you know, like but, a pop you know, culture awareness, too, that yeah. was... But Not. then, so the St. Notches went on stage, and then just all we did was talk about, it, just very childishly about Chokehold being crackheads and everything, you know, everything you would say as a bratty, <laughs> insulted little fucking... <laughs> but, you know, like, it sucks because, again, it was... That band really should have, at that point, been aware of Chronic Submission and Kiss the yeah. Fucking Ring, guys. Well, and let's, and let's be honest, like... <laughs> oh, and by I the way, love... for the record... Chokehold, but okay. they have nothing on Chronic Submission as far as like exactly. which is the better band yeah. sonically. And we had two of them. <laughs> so fuck you. Yeah, no. But, but and just I, for the record, too, John Sharon was yeah. not at that show. No, you know, we play together now in Career Suicide. We cover a Chronic Submission song. I want to do a direct action song. Actually, <laughs> no. John John Sharon was in the uh, later more hippie lineup. I think of uh, I see, Chokehold yeah. when they went a little more. And meanwhile, he's the only one who's still straight edge and no, no, John, is John straight and edge? vegan. Oh yeah, totally. Oh no, uh, yeah. Oh probably... wait, vegan. Yeah, oh, exactly. Straight, straight edge. edge. Fuck. Be like, I'm sorry, Jesus. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big difference. Too. He would have gone really round too. <laughs> yeah, him and Callahan, but I guess Callahan uh, was a little later than the Chokehold guys, like a couple years. But yeah, yeah. He's like one. Well, of this the is two. why I didn't get turned on to his bands until like after most of them broke up. Yeah, which bugs me because I was friends with Chris for all that time. For yeah. Whatever, shame on me. I lost interest. The Sadies were kind of... I've been so busy with that band for the last 20 years now that, yeah, basically from 94 onwards, it just, like, changed. It became, well, that's the thing. You know, you talk about that, and because, like, you know, like, I, that's when I first... When the Sadies formed, I guess I, guess I would have seen you guys kind of later. Like, when I started going to shows, like, 96, 97, you guys were already, like, the band. In Toronto, oh yeah, we sucked know. by then. You got to <laughs> no, you guys were like no, no, but it was like, oh, thanks, but like that. But you're right because it, it becomes hard to like still be the king of the scene, as it were, when you're touring. <laughs> you know, like I, I've, like the king I, of the scene in terms of yeah, following the scene. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Like, like, like what you know, I don't mean the king of the scene is like walking around like you. Yeah, I know. You own this thing, but I mean like because I let's be clear, that's what I was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean like with, with like it, with with fucked up too, like like trying to be like. You know, like when you when you you hit this point where you're like, oh, I'm on, I'm playing shows in other cities more than I'm going to shows in my own city. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And and the number of uh, artists that uh, the Sadies have collaborated with is oh, kind of staggering, even yeah. for me. And it just in the and so we've been able to sort of sate that feeling of like having our friends slash idols that we get to watch, and you know, like yeah, I don't know why I'm explaining that well, but I just mean like. Well, like, no, like... Yeah, my friends are in great bands, no, 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 and I get to no, work with them. Like, you, you guys are like... So and cool. I said this last time, but you guys are the band's band. Like, everyone, like, from Neil Young to, like, John Doe to, like, Andre Williams to, like... And last Nico time you Cage said that, I like, squirmed just as yeah, much. Yeah, but, but I'm just like... Yeah. But, it's, but it's like, you know, but it's true, you know? Like, and every band that you just named, um, 
I feel that there's something underlying about them that are very punk rock. And, yeah. And that oh, is all... fundamentally the only connection that brought us together in the first place. And it's something that I so totally pride my career on. Like, that's the part that makes the Sadies way more validated than anything we've ever recorded. Yeah. It's just that these people are our friends. Like, Andre Williams, I don't even have to mention the punk connection there. I mean, yeah. fuck, that guy's so heavy. Oh, yeah. But, and, you know, uh, John Langford with Mekons, John Spencer, like, was such a huge influence on me growing yeah. up. Like, Pussy Galore. Like, I talk about all the punk rock stuff. and but at, Did you ever see Pussy Galore? No. Yeah, I saw... I uh, they only... No, like yeah, there was only show. one show that I was too young to see, but I knew of, which okay. was at the Apocalypse. Oh, they uh, played the Apocalypse. But I mean, I've become like I consider Bob Burt and John very close friends, and uh, Royal Trucks. Like uh, we played together. Well, the Sadies played with them probably three or four times, but um, the Satan Otters were supposed to play with them one night, and I got beat up on my way, like by a youth gang on the way to the show. Really? Like kind of like you know, broken nose, four broken teeth. Uh, six inches here, five there, like really left in a puddle by 15 guys. But the next time I saw the Royal Trucks, I was in a full on, or no, I wasn't in a cast yet, but I had just broken my leg. And so I'd be, I would, I consider friends with both Jennifer and I'm sorry, it is a long story. Just, but, uh, yeah, no I, such I thing feel like I've fun. like I have a, a friendship, all the, uh, be it very distant and rarely, uh, exercised. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Neil, I also, I, I hold in the highest esteem. So I've sort of gotten to know the, Oh, Kurt Wolf. I've gotten to know through John Spencer. Um, I've never met Julia, but and Christina, like, so I love the members of pussy galore. I love the band as much now as I ever did. I've listened to them this year, Um, but uh, I never did see them. No. Uh, But getting to work with John is like one of the, biggest sort of feathers in my cap of all time. I just, yeah, I have so much respect for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. me too. I think, like, you know, talk about, well, the St. Notras running against Chokehold, the <laughs> stories of, like, Pussy Galore running afoul with, you know, like, the Discord kind of era. Oh, yeah. Stuff when they first started is, is hilarious. Well, that's just it. John is, like, you know, he he gets it. He knows how to be full on. He does what he does right. You know, yeah. I don't want to just ramble here, but... When he wants to be offensive, it's full on like laugh out loud offensive. Never, never insulting. Just offensive. I don't know. I, I, heard, I love him. I, I love all those records. He has carte blanche with me. I heard he used to have a WrestleMania party every year in New York. <laughs> like yeah, it was like all these. Uh, it was like the 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 New York the toast of the New York hip scene would all go and watch WrestleMania. You can bank on me asking him about it, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's like the rumor I heard. Because let me tell you. I would love me to go to some John Spencer uh, WrestleMania <laughs> party. It's, it's still going down. You should have John Doe on your show, too. Oh, I'd love to have him. Like, oh, I'm always just like, John, like, tell me more stories oh. about those. Men. Tell me about the middle class. Tell oh, me about, yeah. like, you know, and he's like, what? Those little guys? Yeah. No, like, yeah, well, like, working with someone saying, like, like that, like, you know, were you, you must have been a huge X fan as a kid. Or? Well, no, not really. Like, they were one of the bands that were very much a part of what I loved, like yeah. as in Cramps, Gun Club, uh, yeah. the, the Ramones, like, you know, a lot of the L.A. Stuff, Black Flag. Uh, but I never, ever listened to... The two bands that are, like, it's weird that I didn't listen to them was X and also the Meat Puppets. Uh, there are two bands that the Sadies have been compared to since day one, yeah. which is both flattering, yeah, but I just, Meat too, I just can't like, say I grew up listening yeah, to them. I, I can say that... Yeah about those other bands like gun and so that's one of the funniest things with me and John is like everybody knows Jeffy Lee Pierce was a very difficult man on on a bad day to deal with but everyone also or a fan of Jeffy Lee knows that he was a huge fan of X yeah huge 
And um, so talking to John has got to be bittersweet because I'm just sitting here just drooling off every word, like, tell me more about Jeffrey Lear. And he's just like, I hate to say it, but he was kind of an asshole. <laughs> it's like, shut up, tell me a funny story. <laughs> but it's just, it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, just John, uh, you know, it just, it w- sort of like your interview with Steve, Stephen McDonald, just like, those stories are so much more interesting than me being a fan of 80s Toronto bands. But, yeah, you but know, I think, it, I don't know. To put but still, it in I just love talking like, about this. Yeah, too, like the, that stuff is like interesting, but I think that, I think the, I don't know, part and, of the problem is that we didn't have records that came out in Toronto. Like, it's all tape. True, yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I read this article on Pitchfork yesterday about uh, Drake's Toronto. Right. And... You read this article and it made Toronto sound like the most fantastical place on earth. Like you talked <laughs> oh, about Mississauga and East York, like places you might want to go visit for like, right. just fun <laughs> to hang out. Well, and it's like because we don't really mythologize in Canada very much. That's true, but also it, I do mythologize about Toronto because I grew up in Aurora and Newmarket. Yeah. Like I mean, so for me, these experiences were more profound than if I'd lived in the city all that time or yeah. whatever. And this has just been like more of a commodity. Like Don's stories must be insane. Don's stories are crazy. But yeah, like, I mean, once again, I don't think Don, you know, I was talking to Don and I'm like talking about, I forget what band. And he's like, yeah, to me, that's almost second wave punk. Oh, you know? no, like, totally. Well, Don, yeah, there's a cut up point yeah. with Don where he missed a lot of the no, stuff. No, but it, I don't I think he even missed it. But I just that's think why like, I would love to do this with Don, like a filthy gaze of Europe yeah. where we can, because we will play off of each other so much. He's always, we're correcting each other. He's mostly correcting me. Yeah. You know, like I pick up where he leaves off. But I think even with Don, like you talk to him about. This you know, is the, Don Pyle, by yeah, the way, obviously. People have heard that. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, right. sorry, Don Pyle, you're right. We should have his last name. Yes. <laughs> Don Pyle, like, and, and on his episode, like, when he talks about, like, you know, he talks about the Valtones about how great they were, but, you know, it's not with the same sort of reverence sure. that you and I would talk about right. the Valtones yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, it, it was his... It was, he was friends with them. Yeah, he was friends with them. And but I like, mean, that's kind of what I, like, I was friends with the guys I'm talking about, but I guess it's the age difference. I think it's the me. age difference because you were a I kid. Was, yeah. And I was lucky. I played guitar so and smoked pot, so yeah. I was welcome. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like Steve McDonald, like when yeah. he was like. Again, make sure you have John because, like, I know he'll do it. He's such a lovely man. And yeah. X, although I didn't listen to them, I mean, of course, everybody knows Los Angeles is a fantastic album, but I love them more now than I did before. And. And he was in the makes, randoms. Well, Let's get rid changed, of New York. They are so important. They're kind of like a band that you know, listen to them often or not. But they changed everything. And again, great songwriter. I, yeah, I've said my piece. But yeah, John, we love you. And Flesh Eaters, the first Flesh Eaters stuff. Like, Absolutely. You know, you know it's like, like not so much my bag, but such seminal, important albums. Oh ever, yeah, you know. I love those records. And well, I, me, t- I like them a yeah. lot. But I'm just saying again, like these aren't records that they shaped me. They were punk know. as a kid. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, yeah. That's not why I turned out a punk. Yeah, exactly. I, well, I know exactly what you're saying because, like, I think with X, like X is a band that I liked originally when I was a kid, and then they were a band when I got more into quote unquote hardcore. Sure. I was like, uh, I don't like X. I like the Australian right. X only. Sure. And sure. now I go back and I'm like, no, uh, you can't deny these songs. No, they're, <laughs> they're incredible. Jonah has been on an X tip lately, yeah, too. or not lately, but yeah, just enough to uh, rekindle my love affair with them too. But yeah, they're they're amazing and so important. But you know, I, I like. Kid Congo was somebody also that yep. Mercedes ultimately worked with and became friends with and uh, who I just adore. But there's somebody that is more directly like connected to all of the best bands. Yeah. Gun Club Cramps. and Although Nick Cave, not so much. Birthday Party, so much. You know? Yeah. 
Roland Howard's like I, I, him, yeah, such an important influence on my guitar playing. Yeah, and Roland. Well, I guess I, it's funny because like we're just, I was just in Australia, and like the Roland Howard stories that you hear are like talk about Jeffrey Jeffrey Pierce and stuff like heartbreaking. Like yeah. people talking about him coming in towards the end, just oh, you know, like really yeah. kind of sad. And well, I didn't know that. I, I I haven't spoken with him in years, but Jochen from uh, he's now in uh, Neubotten, but he was in D How he was living in Toronto for a while, and we actually started a band together for a day or two. <laughs> but a uh, really sweet guy, and he had a band called the Aver Mountain Boys while he was still in shit. I forget if he's Berlin or or Munich, but it's beside the point. Um, and it was with Roland Howard, and it was like it was way more like the Sadies, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, which was just hilarious and. We were like, yeah. You know, just from my point of view, it's uh, another one of those full circle things. I picked up his double LP, like the last solo thing, double LP that came out. I'd love to hear that. It's awesome. I'm coming over. We'll listen to that one. Yeah, we got to like. Well, you and me also like. We're surrounded by incredible records. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, filthy gaze. I'm just gonna pull it out as we speak, so you won't leave without it. Oh, okay. Here, that's not even it, but I'll remind you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Thanks for doing that, by the way. Oh no! no. Yeah, we'll have our yeah, that's listening thing. party next time. We didn't talk about this. We're we're actually we're we're bandmates. Mm-hmm. You know, filthy gaze of Europe. But buy it, it now. It does bring up an interesting. Uh, Still for sale. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not quite out of print. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going out of print any day now. So buy exactly. it now. Buy 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 two. It's got most of the people we talked about. Yeah, Callahan, Callahan, Mickey Skins, Skins on Pyle. it. That actually to me is like. You know, obviously, I've done stuff with Chris a lot over the years and, and, and fucked up and stuff, but like getting to do something with, well, yourself and Don and Mickey, you know, it's like I, it, being such a fan and getting kind of like, you know, the, being in part of that project was kind of awesome. Well, Damien, welcome to my world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've played in half Japanese, like yeah. I've toured with them, played on their records. I've All these bands I've named that I was a huge fan of before I joined, Shadowy Men, Career yeah. Suicide, like yeah. I get this, I've played with all so many people that I've idolized too, like it's a really good job being in the 80s. I'm so fortunate, even though we look around in a room full of records and stuff, it's a very, very small room <laughs> in a very small apartment that I do not own, but still... Very impressive records. I'm though. happy yeah. you know, like, yeah. I, with this band, and I feel like even though I've drifted away from you know, hardcore and stuff, I find that a lot of people do and then refine it. Like My brother and I, it was bluegrass that, as guitar players that turned us off. Of, not off, but redirected our passion for yeah. fast guitar playing. And the Sadies still play really fast. Oh, really? In, yeah, you know, certainly musicians. It, well, yeah, well, it's more about the energy and the excitement of playing that, you know. And um, so, you know, my, my, I'm losing my point well, on that, no, but, but whatever. Wait, well, but it brings me to a point that I want to bring up, because you guys are such amazing players, but, like, it sounds to me almost like you consider yourself more a fan than a musician. Well, I... I definitely because that's what I would definitely describe myself well, as. Let's call ourselves musicologists. Well, I would like, just well, for the sake of I think you're and just to credit you could because you can play. I can't play anything. I'm definitely just a fan who got lucky and is able to like live out little fantasies I'm through kidding. my band all the time. But, Shut up! It's the same thing, but we're celebrating those moments right now. I suppose. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, but I kind of love that idea of like being in a band just to make your fantasies as a fan come true like you know like you obviously wanted to play with all like Jad Fair and all these people and then yeah. you get to you manifest yourself in those situations the Sadie's never it was just a product of circumstance and like minded taste yeah and that 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 meant for you know uh 
for being able to lending itself to working with other people, which we did right from the get-go, too, with, like, working with Nico. We we were playing with Nico Case before our first record even came out. So, um, we... And so, Bloodshot Records knew that, and that lent itself to the... To the they set us up with Andre Williams. He was one of the only people that we had met on our own. Yeah. And John Langford, even, we met through them, but still... Um, my point being... Um, yeah, there is a, a certain element of fandom, but we would never, ever, like, sort of do this just to achieve that. No. But, but let's just say that those experiences are never lost on me. Getting to work with, you know, my idols yeah. is very, very no. dear to me. Well, no, even more than that, and I guess it's befriending them. It's actually, you know, these people that are beyond me to be able to just feel comfortable around them is really what's the most special. And I know that because, you know, I'm sure you guys get plenty of opportunities that you do turn down. Oh, so there's yeah. a certain level I mean, of curation in who you decide to work with. But the only people who approach us are somehow connected to us and want us want us because of what we sound yeah. like. So we're not like a, band, a session band at all. No, like no, but that's what I mean. It's so not a session thing. It's more like... It, usually we say no to projects because we just don't have the time and there's too much impending you know, stuff in the future or it's just been too long since we put out one of our own records. But, uh, you know, and everyone's busy all the time. But yeah... Um, you know, we're still open to things, and more importantly, it's just good to keep our friendship with all those people alive. And yes, and that part of it is is great for sure. Or I, I guess just to, before we wrap up, because like uh, yeah. we could go way longer. Yeah, we, well, let's I'm, do I'm, another part two, or you, me, and Don. I think we should definitely do a yeah. filthy gaze one. Mickey would be part of that. Well, I want to do Mickey solo it. first, but then like yeah, we should yeah, do the course. next one. We should do all three. Wow, it might be hard with all three. Oh well, <laughs> well I'll just we'll, let me we'll, we'll figure the mic. it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I uh, you know, recently with that Gord Downey record, you guys did it with Bob Mold. Oh, Bob, 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 Mold. Bob Rock. Bob Rock. Right. I don't know why is it Bob Mold. I got well, it. fair enough. It's an easy slip. Of the yeah, time. I guess. But Bob well, Rock, which like, and maybe if it was Freudian, it's because you had a preconceived notion of the band. But, uh, yeah, you know what? Um, I, I did we talk about this already? Like, I don't think we even talked about it last yeah, on the podcast. Um, I, I gotta say, I, I went into it with real preconceived notions that he was some sort of super... Oh, I, I had seen the... Some kind the of monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, you know, we worked together for two days mixing that album. He mixed it at full blast, which is really impressive. 16-hour yeah. days. And whenever he'd stop, we'd just talk rock. And he blew me away. He, he answered every question that I had without me even asking the question. Like, the first thing he did was pull up pictures that he had taken from a Stooges show he was at in 71. Then we talked about Northwest Territory and all of these uh, early, or not early, but, you know, mid to late 60s psych bands from Vancouver that he not only knew, but was, like, super into and saw. And then, of course, we all know about... Subhumans, yeah, DOA, DOA. The, uh, and like the reason why, like for example, the uh, oh fuck, what, what's the band? Uh, Pointed Sticks record is okay. Forgive me for not giving it the same praise as every other Toronto release, but uh, I think the fidelity of those records really makes them a notch above. Yeah, uh, even what they might have been otherwise. I'm sorry. What am I? Now I'm just talking shit. Well, no, I. I think those records sound, sound so fantastic. awesome. They sound awesome. Yes, uh, everything he touched, and yeah. still does. So, uh, he is definitely somebody who would refer to himself as a music fan first, and a musician, producer, everything else second. Because like he's just so passionate. What? It yeah. was really, really ex- exciting to work with him. You know, in a weird way. And, in a way, I was full-on dreading it, like, thinking, if this goes bad, it's going to go bad, and there's, you know, a, a record at stake, and, yeah. and it's Gord's friend. I don't want to be insulting, but basically for 
uh, any haters out there, yeah, rethink that one because he's fucking awesome. Yeah, and what, what's his really band? Cool. The uh, well, there's the Paolas, but the Paolas, probably, yeah. The first seven inch is killer. Well, that you know, first punk seven inch yeah. they did, oh for sure. Is, I think that first twelve inch is pretty awesome too. Well, I you know I, I I don't know what to say because you know it's it's such a a, a different sort of well no on a, a during an interview I don't want to you know yeah. sound I think I'm making myself clear I went in yeah no of, no uh, I know exactly with a negative yeah. point of view well, came that, out of it just blown away and also the shit that he told me about Metallica made me really but, realize that he was over a barrel on that project as well but also like how it all comes back to what you're saying like all the people it was all good stuff about Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're talking about all uh, how it all comes back to punk everyone you worked with and like yeah. it's once again yeah. here's this guy who's doing DOA and Subhumans records obviously into it back to the Stooges oh yeah but like he still had his hand in this punk world absolutely Bob Rock is his real name too for the record yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no he, yeah uh, fair enough uh it it's really cool basically a lot of the the musicians that have been doing punk rock are just survivors and vets mm-hmm. and they've always had the ah, in lack of a less cringeworthy expression to tag on like a sort of DIY ethic of making records touring and making this their life come hell or high water come record deal or not yeah and as some of them get older in the case of John Doe for example or Langford or even Spencer for that matter uh they're making more rootsy records one way or another. Fuck, the guy from uh, from Bad Religion put out a folk record, did he not? Uh, yeah, he put out a really... I we don't need to talk about the quality not, of it, but that's yeah, not my point. Yeah, my yeah, point is, did, yeah. our, he did it. our elder statesmen have definitely <laughs> yeah. gone a little soft. And that's where we come in. Because <laughs> we didn't do it because we were exhausted from punk. We did no. it because it was really essentially what Travis and I knew we could do. We were... We were so much more influenced by Shadowy Men than any than the Good Brothers. You know what I mean? Which uh, comes back to punk again, too, right? Oh, Shadowy Men, very much. <coughs> and even the Good Brothers. And the Good Brothers, yeah. Steve Lucky apparently did a session at the same time as the Good Brothers. Really? I thought it was cool that they were smoking pot. <laughs> was it when you did the Rockabilly record? I forget even where I heard that story. So now, uh, probably it would have been well, Vile Tones in that era. Yeah, so, yeah. I, that but, that uh, session has come several times on this podcast, and that to me is like. I gotta hear that. I forget if Don was my source or somebody else, but I just remember hearing that Steve doesn't uh, uh, d- like doesn't think that the Good Brothers are lying. He <laughs> might he might think I am if what I heard was true in a Steve uh, Perry interview not too long ago. But <laughs> but that's okay. I'm a, a big fan of his. That's I, for sure. I read an interview with him where he's like, and someone asked him like, "What do you think of Fucked Up?" He's like, "They're amazing." I read a flyer for them, and they're saying they're charging a hundred dollars to see him, but <laughs> they're playing with hundred dollars. <laughs> I won't correct him on that. <laughs> I'm not gonna correct him on it either. Okay, well, Dallas, like I, you know, because this is our second one. I know it. we're going really long. No, we're Sorry not, buddy. That. We could go longer, but I'm gonna. Why don't we cap it today? And yeah, do yeah, for part sure. Two for the sake of uh, any when who's hung on and still listening. Oh, yes. No, this is awesome. Yeah, for really sure. appreciate it. No, thanks for Thank having you. me on the show. I really appreciate it. Bye.